You're listening to a very special holiday edition of Historically Speaking from Kappa Kappa Gamma, with generous support from the Kappa Kappa Gamma Foundation. I'm Kylie Smith, the Archivist and Museum Director, and my usual co-host, Kay Smith-Larson, is still on holiday for podcast recording. But not to worry, she'll be back at the mic soon enough. In her stead, I have with me former fraternity president and current Ritual and History Director, Denise Rugani, and Dr. Mary Osborne, Director of the Stewart House Museum. Hi, Denise. Hi, Mary. Hey. And a happy holiday to you all. Which holiday? Uh, All of them. Super. I'm glad. Our founders may have celebrated Christmas, but some of their contemporaries, and certainly Kappas today, celebrate a variety of different holidays based on their particular faith. And some may simply be taking or celebrating a break from school and a chance to leave campus. In previous years, we focused our episodes on the ways in which our founders would have celebrated the holidays. So if you're curious about that, you can check out the episode archive for Historically Speaking. This year, however, we wanted to follow a couple of leads we noticed while reading older issues of the Key Magazine. In the chapter letters and Alumni Association announcements, there were a lot more discussions of official Kappa events and business taking place around the traditional holiday breaks that most colleges and universities observed. And students were described as staying on campus during the times we traditionally think of them going home. So, Dr. Oz, will you start us off with a little context? I'd be happy to. The basic idea of the academic calendar, both in higher education and in more modern public education, is generally a 10-month year with a break somewhere in December and then an extended break during the summer. Originally, this was due to agrarian cycles and clearly stuck around long after we moved from a primarily agrarian society. (laughs) So wait, wasn't the Industrial Revolution just yesterday? You'd think. It should be noted that many early institutions of higher learning were set up by religious denominations for the training of clergy and modeled off of Oxford and Cambridge universities in Europe. So the academic calendar of today is pretty similar to what it would have been 100 or 200 years ago. School begins in the fall, usually in September, though sometimes in August. A term, whether a semester or quarter, ends in mid-December, and then the next term begins sometime after the new year, and the academic year is over in spring. Before that longer winter break, there's usually a quick break in October for Thanksgiving in Canada or in November in the U.S. Also, that's usually near Denise's birthday on November 24th. Yes. Anyway... And you might be getting to this, Dr. Oz, but how and where students attended school have changed. Most students didn't travel quite so far to attend school. At first, they didn't live in the dorms or chapter houses like we think of today. If they weren't from the local area, they often boarded somewhere in town. It really wasn't until the early 1900s that we began seeing dorms that were built specifically to house students, especially women students. That's right. So for our founders who attended Monmouth College, a Presbyterian college just east of the Mississippi in western Illinois, the greeting around this time of year for them may have been Happy Christmas or Merry Christmas, as influenced by Charles Dickens and other Victorians. No doubt the popularity of A Christmas Carol also inspired the public to remember their departed loved ones, too. Victorians believe the spiritual realm was especially active and close during this season. Lost touch our founders during the holidays. Minnie Stewart's younger sister, Chrissy, died on December 23, 1877, at the age of 15, after a long battle with typhoid. Her funeral took place at the Stewart House on Christmas Eve. 
Although her family mourned her, they could take comfort in the fact that Chrissy had had what the Victorians called a good death, surrounded by her family. Four short years later, Minnie endured another bereavement when her six-year-old daughter died on December 15, 1881 from meningitis. Because death was so common, people in this era feared it less and instead viewed it as a transition from one life to the next. That sounds a bit like what I read about the Buddhist holiday Bodhi Day, which is a celebration of when the historical Buddha experienced nirvana, and that happened while he was meditating on the root of suffering. But also, in a more general sense, the idea that these major holidays that various cultures and religions celebrate can also be difficult for those who are reminded of what or who they might be missing. Anniversaries of any sort can be difficult, but even more so when everyone around you insists on a certain level of enthusiasm or jollity. That's so true. I also like the word jollity. I hope it's a real word. I'm sure it is. Okay, so back to breaks from school. We should also mention that even though today's winter break is usually around the Christian holiday of Christmas, many of those traditions we inherited from the Victorians are no longer strictly religious and are quite popular in the secular world. And depending on the various calendars of the different faiths, students may be celebrating Hanukkah if they're Jewish, Ramadan if they're Muslim, Bodhi Day if they're Buddhist. Which is on December 8th, my birthday. Hey. Yep, exactly. Anyway, many folks observe Kwanzaa to celebrate African American culture. And some modern Hindus celebrate Pancha Gonapati, pardon my pronunciation, in honor of Ganesha. And students had and still have any number of other reasons to commemorate the season. Even the most ancient cultures observed something in the winter, whether it was the winter solstice or some other way to mark the passing of the seasons and hope for the brighter and warmer days of spring. So let's see what we found in the key about students and how they spent some of their breaks from school. Some were not by choice, like the smallpox quarantine at Phi Chapter Cornell in 1889 that kept students on campus or the quarantine of three members of Lambda Chapter Akron because of smallpox in 1899. Though I wish I could go back and reassure them because in the February of 1911 issue of the key, Bade and Mew chapter at Colorado write about a smallpox scare just before Thanksgiving, but then the relief from the resulting vaccinations against it. In 1905, there was a yellow fever outbreak in New Orleans and the members of Beta Omicron at Tulane were concerned about the delay of recruitment because school didn't open until November 2nd and what that meant for their upcoming winter break. In 1918, influenza descended on the campus of Cincinnati and many other campuses, and the Beta Rho chapter at Cincinnati was disappointed because pledging ordinarily took place over the Thanksgiving holidays, but was delayed. Wait, over Thanksgiving? Yeah, so clearly it was not the custom for all students to vacate campus entirely, or there were enough town girls to host the whole chapter over that short holiday break in the United States. Also in 1918, Beta Mu chapter at Colorado also wrote in about their campus quarantine and the delay of school. The college had closed in October and opened a month later in November with students staying on campus and riding it all out together. There was also what Gamma Beta at New Mexico described in December 1918 as their quarantine vacation and all of the chapter house cleaning and improvements that were made. They were scrubbing, painting, even patching plaster. (laughs) Talk about making the best of a situation. Right? (laughs) 
Well, and sometimes the break bumped right up against a holiday, so Kappas just celebrated together if they happened to be in the same town. In 1908, an announcement is made about the annual reunion and banquet of Missouri and Kansas Kappas, who gathered over Thanksgiving in Kansas City. Talk about a big crowd for Thanksgiving. That same year, in 1908, Beta Kazi at the University of Texas announced the initiation of their new members over Thanksgiving in the United States. Well, and remember that in the United States, Congress didn't declare Thanksgiving a federal holiday in November until 1941. So while it was certainly celebrated before 1941, it wasn't quite so ingrained in the U.S. as an annual event. George Washington called for a day of public Thanksgiving and prayer, and Abraham Lincoln proclaimed after Gettysburg that November 26, 1863 would be celebrated as a national holiday. I feel like we need to mention that all of these Thanksgiving examples are based in the United States because at the time we didn't have chapters in Canada. So Canadian friends, we know your Thanksgiving celebration is in October, but sadly we don't have many examples in these chapter letters of what students at Canadian universities may have done over their holiday breaks. Thank you for pointing that out. Now, there's another interesting note we found in the February 1908 issue of the magazine, noting that Pi Beta Phi Women's Fraternity and Alpha Delta Phi Men's Fraternity both held their biennial convention during, quote, Christmas week. And the members of Beta Omicron at Tulane also hosted a reception on New Year's Eve. Can you imagine the potential New Year's celebration they may have had in New Orleans at the close of those conventions? No, I can't imagine. I like quiet nights at home on New Year's. Can you also imagine trying to get people to attend an alumna association reception on New Year's Eve? I'm guessing it would go over like a lead balloon today. That also reminds me that for many years, Kappa has held conventions in the summer and sometimes over the U.S. 4th of July holiday. It's funny because today it's an unspoken rule that nothing will ever be planned on or near any major holidays if we can help it. So it seems that in the days when fewer students traveled long distances to attend school, and if they did, they didn't make the trip home for a short Thanksgiving weekend, there were more activities to occupy them on or near campus. Indeed. And it probably can also be noted that chapters were smaller back then, and it may have been easier for them to stay together over a holiday break. But then for winter breaks, they more frequently left campus because it was longer. And what they did over the break is as vast and diverse as the stars in the sky or our members today. So whatever you do in the next few weeks, we hope you enjoy it. We hope you get a moment to take a break and relax, even if you're not a student. And we hope you get to be with people you want to be with. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Solstice. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Ramadan. Merry Christmas. Happy Bodhi Day. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Pancha Ganapti. Happy day to all of you, and may the coming year be a good one. Bye. 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 You've been listening to a very special holiday edition of Historically Speaking. Brought to you by Kappa Kappa Gamma, with generous support from the Kappa Kappa Gamma Foundation. Our headquarters is in Columbus, Ohio. Our house museum is in Monmouth, Illinois. You can find us online at kappa.org, or you can peruse our digital archives at kappa.historyit.com. Many thanks to current Ritual and History Director Denise Rigani for joining us today. She hails from the Epsilon Omicron chapter at UC Davis. 
And I'm grateful for my colleague and fellow researcher, Dr. Mary Osborne, director of the Stewart House Museum and a member from the Alpha Deuteron chapter at Monmouth College. Additional research was done by former fraternity historian and former fraternity president, Kay Smith Larson from the Beta Pi chapter at the University of Washington. And production is done by me, Kylie Tower Smith from Omicron Deuteron chapter at Simpson College and the archivist and museum director for Kappa Kappa Gamma. Thank you.